Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year of acceptable a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Again, good morning. I forgot to mention that this rose is to remind us to pray for the, all the unborn. Yesterday was uh, pro-life uh, day, which um, we celebrate throughout the world. We pray in a particular way for the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. And as I said, today's readings focus us on the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And we see that in Nehemiah, in the first reading, when Ezra, the great priest and scholar of the law, and we, when we say law, we're talking about the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, for example. When he reads the law, um, he reads it out loud to the people after not having heard it for a long time especially after their return from the Babylonian exile. Fast forward, we know that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God, as John's Gospel reminds us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And therefore, Jesus is the, perf the perfect interpreter and fulfiller 
of God's word. And we know through St. Paul today that because of Jesus, we are all one family, one body, different talents, different gifts, different skills, but all meant to build the community, the body of Christ. Jesus fulfills the promises of God of the Old Testament that he would save us, and Jesus did. Today's psalm, psalm response, comes from John's Gospel, chapter 6, which appropriately declares, Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. And I'd like us to get a sense of what, it's, what is meant when we say that the word of God is life. We mean that it should be the word of life. And we know that the mere reading of the Bible already uplifts our spirit because it contains not just any words from any book by any author, but they are words of God, words of the infinite, all-knowing God who has revealed himself to us for who he is. God is love. So the words of God are certainly spirit, but they are also life. And I don't mean life in a vague, abstract way, but in the sense of us right now living and breathing with our senses, our, all our five senses, so herein lays the challenge before us. How are we giving life to the word of God in our life, right there where we are, in the family, in the workplace, online, in the schools, factories, hospitals, courts, Congress, the Senate? How is God's word incarnating in my life? And it takes intentionality. It takes action. Otherwise, God's words remain beautiful, certainly something we study, something we may maybe even memorize, something we even meditate on, but they don't become life. I figured that the best way to convey what it means to live the word of God is to share with you just a few, because of time, a few real-life experiences of people that I know personally who make it a point to intentionally live the Word of God moment by moment, day by day, in the simplicity of the unfolding of life, in the intimacy of the family, in the reality of the workplace, even in parish settings, even in ministry settings. So let me start with Susan. Susan, well, I don't say her, her, her last name, but I, I met Susan when I was 17 years old. I met her and her husband, Ralph. And of course, um, she was trying to live the word of God from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, 41, which says, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. It's a word of God. And here's Susan's experience of how she put it into practice. She says, I volunteer with Catholic Charities and in a ministry called Project Hope, which distributes groceries 
to the elderly and disabled, much like our food pantry. So that alone is already, doing that is word of God, living the word of God. But she says, one worker who comes every month seemed to be impatient with the clients if they were not prepared. Josie was her name, and she would scold the clients for not standing in line or for not bringing containers to carry their groceries in, and she hardly ever smiled. Since I worked close by her, I could hear everything she would say to the clients, and it was distressing, to say the least. I thought I would try to get to know her. I started by asking her questions, such as, what parish do you belong to, etc., all in an effort to make her feel welcomed and accepted. One time, I just went over and smiled and stood beside her as she was getting after one client. Another time before the clients came, I asked her about her week and about her husband since I heard that he was in the hospital. On another occasion as she was lecturing a client, I went over to her and asked if I could help, even though I also had work to do. When things got backed up, I always tried to help her, very conscious of wanting to love her first, but always trying to be gentle rather than pushy. And this went on for months. Then, all of a sudden, she began to help the clients in a gentler way, smiling and assisting them with love. It was a marked change. Her demeanor was so altered that even our co-workers noticed it. And hopefully, she felt our love. And this love seemed to be reflected in her attitude towards the clients. Now, Josie greets all of us with a smile and a hug. She shares her stories and goes the extra mile with each client. Her presence has become an example for many. This is Susan's experience, but I can say that Susan's ongoing effort to go the extra mile with Josie helped Josie to likewise do the same, to go the extra mile, to live the word of God. So in this sense, we see how the lived word of God does not leave, cannot leave anyone indifferent. The next experience is from a priest, Father Peter, Peter Iorio. He's from Tennessee. I've known him for many years. And he was trying to live the scripture phrase from Romans 8.28, which says, we know that all things work for the good for those who love God. And here are Father Peter's words. He said, over the summer, we had a lot of rain. One of the dead trees on our church property fell into a neighbor's yard and damaged a structure on his property that contained a very expensive car. We applied for insurance, but the insurance company said that we were not at fault because it was an act of God. The neighbor was not pleased to say the least because he had to pay a $1,500 deductible. When I got back from vacation, he came to me after having spoken to other office staff. He told me the situation and asked if we would pay. 
given the high deductible that he had. I told him that we wanted to be good neighbors. We decided, and I told him that I would pray about it and consult others. In the end, we decided that we would cut a check for half of the deductible. I sent a note saying that we wanted to be good neighbors and offered that check to help pay for the cost of the repair. And I was a little anxious, says Father Peter, because I thought that he would want the whole amount. And we truly felt that we would love our neighbor in this way. Less than a week later, the neighbor came by and left me a note along with an uncashed check. He said that he was grateful for the generosity, but that in the end, the universe, he wasn't Christian, was telling him not to accept the money. And so, says Father Peter, we continue to remain good neighbors. In this experience, Father, in this, uh, Father Peter's experience, of, I see, uh, we can see how living the word of God is also the best conflict resolution strategy. The next experience is from a little uh, girl named Ellen, who is six years old. Yes, even children can live the gospel. Where are all the children? Yes, children can live the gospel. Ellen said she was trying to live the word of God from Matthew 7, chapter 7, 12, which says, do to others whatever you would have them do to you. One of Ellen's classmates, Paul, had difficulty walking. Often, the other children didn't want to play with him because he pushes them around, and it's sometimes difficult to understand what he's saying. But Ellen wanted to treat him as she would want to be treated if she was Paul. One day, she was helping him in a class activity, pouring sand into bottles. Paul was having a hard time paying attention, so Ellen pretended that one of the bottles was an alligator and the other bottle was food. So she told Paul that the alligator was very hungry and that they needed to feed him. And this game helped Paul stay focused and he began to play along. The next day, the little boy's mother told Ellen that Paul truly loved her and that Ellen was like his honorary big sister. And this made Ellen so happy. In Ellen's experience, we can see how the word of God also enhances our creativity, our spirit, to come up with ways to truly love our neighbor. And here is an experience by Julian, a seven-year-old. She was trying to live the word of God from 1 John 4, 19, which says, we love because he first loved us. And here's Julian's words. One time, she said, my grandma told me to do my homework, but I didn't listen to her. I shouted at her, but afterwards I felt sorry. And then I went to her, I said sorry, and I hugged her and kissed her. My grandma forgave me, so I did my homework and listened to her. Luke, seven and a half years old, 
was trying to live the scripture, the word of God from Hebrews 12, 14, which says, strive for peace with everyone for that holiness and for that holiness. And here's what Luke says. We have to set the table at home almost every night. And I try to do it without complaining. One night, I put my brother's boots and coat away without anyone telling me. And finally, here are the experiences of two boys, uh, both of them seven, no, six, Albro and Lawrence, who are trying to live Matthew 5, 44, love your enemy. Albro says, someone at my school called me a mean name. I and my friend made up a game. So we asked her to join us. She said yes, and she apologized. And finally, Lawrence says, at my so soccer camp, there was a boy who called me a jerk. But instead of punching him, I kept on playing and accepting him. So why do I tell you these stories? Some people might, if you ask, what did Father talk about, might say, oh, he talked about Catholic charities, oh, he talked about insurance policies, oh, he talked about little kids. No, I'm talking about the fact that the gospel can be lived in any environment, by any age group, in any moment. Infinite are the situations of life that we find ourselves in, so infinite are the applications of the word of God. This is what I'm saying. Only divine words satisfy our spirit, which is made for the infinite. They give inner light, not only to our mind, but to the whole of our being, because they are light, love, and life. They give peace and joy. These are gospel fruits that we heard these people experience, the kind that Jesus calls his own. He says, I give you my peace, that, this, that my joy may be in you. Especially we experience this in moments such as we are living now, the pandemic, with all its uncertainties which cause us anxieties and anguish. The word of God, the words of God give complete joy, the joy that the world does not know, even in the midst of pain that at times torments our soul. They give strength, especially in the face of dismay and discouragement, but we have to activate them. We have to put them into practice. We have to set them in motion. And they set us free. The word of God, the words of God set us free because they open the path to truth. They are words of God.